there, and welcome to Fibercast, the podcast for sellers by sellers. I'm Adam, aka Twisted Web One Two Three, and I am Ryan, aka Custom Drum Loops. And today, me and Adam are flying solo, and we're covering the topic of standing out in the crowd. And both of us offer gigs that are in competitive categories. Adam doing design work, me doing both audio and explainer videos. So let's jump right into the topic, Adam. I think this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's one of the the kind of the biggest challenges a user faces when they first or a seller faces when they first come onto the site because they kind of look at it and think, what can I offer? You know, there's a thousand other people offering this service. How can I make myself stand out? Right. And I mean, the thing I think a lot of people overlook is the fact that because there are so many people offering this, that means there are a lot of buyers looking for that. So there's big opportunities for new sellers to break into that. That's actually, it's more of a positive, as you say, because people often, it's it's worth mentioning, if there's this many services, it's because there's that many buyers. And the, the first thing I always kind of say to someone is, if you're selecting a service that is in a really uncompetitive category, and it looks like it's completely unique, just double check why it's unique, first of all, because there may not be anyone there actually looking to buy it. So I think it's always better to go into the busy categories and make yourself stand out because you're... You're essentially walking into a room full of buyers. Definitely. I think a lot of people make that mistake where they try to hunt for this thing that's unseen. I know I did that when I first joined Fiverr trying to sell drum loops. You know, my name, Custom Drum Loops, I still haven't sold one. You know, it's like, wow, no one's offering this. I can corner the marketplace, but in reality, there was no marketplace. So I think, you know, avoiding that mistake is is big. And when you sign up, I made the mistake of optimizing my profile wrong by naming myself after the gig that I was planning on selling. So why don't we jump into optimizing your profile when you sign up? And, you know, I, I think you have a much better handle than me. Um, when you sign up for your profile, what did you do? What was your strategy in setting it up? So... My strategy was in some way I wanted to kind of like interlink it to my brand or interlink it to my business. So I wanted to reference my my business name in some respect. And my business name was really it was too long for the username, so I just cut it short and I added in a small little handle like one, two, three. But instantly off the bat, the first thing I thought about was what username I wanted to set. Because the fact is people often will see your username. They're inside gig listings, they're inside gig categories, and that's gonna you know, take notice to them. So let's say, for example, looking at someone who offers explainer videos, if their username was Mr. Explainer or Mr. Video compared to Ryan2647, you know, a random auto-generated free one, which one is going to gain the attention of the buyer more? And it's always going to be the one that is focused around maybe not the specific service, but the kind of blanket industry you want to put yourself under. So with you and in custom drum loops, you went very, very, very specified. But if you went a little step back into the niche of like music guy, Ryan, or um, you do explaining videos now. So that's still even further. I still do both though. So they're both relevant. I do the animated jingles too. So, you know, that, that, that stays in there. I mean, I think, I think the big thing that, uh, that you touched on is, I mean, I mean, right now, if, I have the reviews, so my, my username doesn't matter as much. But if I was new and being custom drum loops versus Mr. Explainer guy, he would probably get more attention as a new seller than I would. Well, exactly as well, because the other thing you look at it is um, it's like when you're going to buy a product, you know, let's say you've got uh, Bed Bath & Beyond and you've got Walmart. 
Now, you would essentially think if you want something from Bed Bath & Beyond or like nice bedding or something, you go to Bed Bath & Beyond. Now, Walmart also stocked bedding, but it doesn't feel as focused to what they're doing. It doesn't feel as like, you know, this is all we do kind of thing. So when you're looking at what your what gigs are available and what users are available, seeing someone like a random username or a little bit of an all sorts compared to something that's more appropriate for that industry or that niche already for me as a buyer is going to draw me in further. I mean, I think that's a great point. And I think after you hit your username, what's the next step? So for me, after you hit the username, it's thinking about, I start off first of all with the the bio, which I kind of like to call like the long introduction or the, the long tagline. And then I revert backwards and come up to the tagline that we see on the top of the profile, simply because I find it easier to write something that's longer and then condense it down into a small snippet compared to writing a small snippet and then trying to write a lot more about that afterwards. So for me, the bio is very interesting because, it, again, it shows on every page where your gig is. It shows in the sidebar. It shows in your profile. So there, for me, it's important that you kind of set a blanket message that covers you know, who you are or what your brand is or what you're attempting to do. So let's say you had five different gigs and one was logo design, one was website reviews, one was voiceovers, and one was explainer videos. And you put in your bio, expert logo designer. I make logos all the time. It's fantastic. I love it. I've been doing it for 10 years. That's great, but only really for your logo design gig. You've kind of you know shunned all of the other services you offer. Whereas if you write something a bit more blanket where it says, I've been working online for the last 15 years um, in many different formats from media and visual to um, explainer and audio, etc. That is going to entice me again because you're feeling like you're giving all of your services the nice kind of coverage as opposed to saying, hey, this is my main service and oh, I, I do these little things on the side as well. Like as a buyer, I don't want to order from someone who's offering a, li a little service on the side compared to what they're pitching to me as their profession. Right. And I mean, I think it's interesting looking at both of our gig bios <clears throat> or our profile bios. We both do the same thing in a weird way. We establish our credibility by saying, you know, you say, here's how many orders I've done. Fiverr's first super seller. I go into my mentions in Forbes and Time magazine. But then we also have a personalized element. You say proud father and caring turtle owner, which adds that element of humor and personality to it that I think people are looking for because everybody wants to work with someone they can relate to. You know, if you're just like, here's all my credentials, it's just a list that might come off as stale and boring versus you're giving, look at here's proof that I'm a professional. Here's my reviews that are great. And also here's my personality. I mean, I think people are looking for people that will mesh well with what they're looking for when they place an order. Yeah, I think I think that's actually a really key thing to highlight. And it just kind of skipped over me that that we've both kind of done that. But I, I think um, a good way to think about it is if you were networking in real life and you were going out there and you went to like an event and you meet someone, you don't want to really talk or engage with the person who's there saying, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I'm, I'm amazing. See you soon. Here's my card. Whereas it resonates with you if they kind of talk to you and say, oh, you know, I, I went skydiving last year or, oh, I've got two kids or, um, you know, I really enjoy um, my hobby of turtles. arts and crafts or turtles. Yeah. <laughs> so 
something similar there where the personal bit, it does kind of engage you. And I mean, for mine, I actually have people kind of come to me and say, I've got turtles too. I love them. Or I wish I had turtles as well. And it's just a kind of nice kind of like lead in intro where it doesn't necessarily all have to be business. Right. I mean, I totally agree with that. I think that's an interesting connection to make to the real life element. You always want to approach your bio and things like that, almost like you would a real life conversation, because this is sort of your your first way of engaging with this person. Definitely. I mean, one thing uh, that I've actually debated about myself, though, is where both me and you put our numbers. As my numbers start to get higher on Fiverr, I'm actually I'm considering taking that element out and just maybe focusing on the top rated seller or the super seller aspect more because I'm starting to feel like there may be a tipping point where it kind of goes from, wow, you know, you've done a lot of orders. You're really established to, am I just another number to you? So I'm trying to, I'm trying to see if I can kind of find that middle ground because I'm not sure what the tipping point is, but I feel like if my profile said, you know, 30,000 orders, which it doesn't, right. but if it did, would you would you kind of lose a little bit of that personality or do you think having that personal statement at the end helps to keep that? You know, that's a really good question. And that has crossed my mind before. And and the question is, at what point does it get to that? Like you said, is it 30,000 orders? Is it 100,000 orders where you start to feel like a number? I mean, I, I feel at some point you know, 10,000 orders might be the same as 30,000 orders to someone looking. They might just say, okay, wow, this person is established and experienced and that number itself doesn't matter as much. But that, that's an interesting thought. Because mm, also as well, it, uh, you've got to factor it in for the time that you've been on the site. And I don't think buyers necessarily look, uh, look at someone's profile and say, right, he's been here four years, so he's done X amount of orders per year. Instead, they're just looking at the overall number. So, you know, if, if we've been around 10 years and we've done say 2,000 orders a year, 20,000 off the back could look very high to a buyer. So I think it's just something to consider or think about how you want to pitch yourself. Um, and I think the flip side of that is as well, is if you're looking to put your numbers quite early on, you have to consider that as well. Because if you turn around and say, I've had over 100 customers. Now, whilst that's great for you, if people are comparing your competitors and looking for someone with that experience, directly putting that number could see you like outbid so between me and you if if we offered the exact same service and someone was thinking you know i love both these guys who do i go for and the only difference was you've done seven thousand i've done like ten thousand and they say i want someone with more because you've highlighted that number and been outbid that could be detrimental to you whereas if it was uh, worded more along the lines of you know, I've had many happy customers um, or I've worked all across the world in many different industries or just worded in a way where you don't necessarily have to give the specific number if that number isn't as high as you want it to be compared to your competitors. Right. And there, there are ways to show your experience other than saying I've done X amount of orders. So as, as someone new, you don't have to necessarily think, wow, no one's going to order for me because I don't have a number to put behind it. It's just thinking of a new creative way to say, look how experienced I am. Maybe say, you know, media mentions you've gotten or particular clients you maybe worked with off of Fiverr that might help buyers on Fiverr look to you as an expert. Yeah, I think I think that's key to mention because I've seen a few times because, um, as you know, the older sellers and the top rated sellers have a habit of setting the trend. And there is a time when, you know, kind of the top rated sellers put the stuff like the accreditation on the profile with the amount of orders they've done. And I, I have noticed where newer buyers come on. There isn't really kind of like a set rule or guide of when you should 
you know, if you want to put that number, when you should put it. And I've seen newer sellers maybe put that number up. And in that case, there are probably better ways to pitch yourself than breaking it down to numbers when, you know, you're working on marketplace with so many numbers available. Right. I mean, I, I think one interesting way to pitch yourself and stand out different, and this is more of a, you have to take a creative approach is with your, your profile photo too. I mean, if even that's something else that shows off your personality. I mean, if you had chosen to go in a suit in your profile and take a professional headshot, that's going to give off a much different vibe than something more casual. It is, but I also think as well, it depends on the, um, the service or the audience that you're pitching to. So someone in a suit who with a professional headshot would look more professional, but if you're offering a service, you know, such as a uh, wacky videos or, um, singer songwriting, you know, like say an acoustic singer songwriting, the, the preconceived idea that buyer may have in their head of who they want to order may not match the, the appeal that you're giving. Yeah, if that, I mean, kind of, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I think you see it a lot in the spokesperson videos. Um, you know, differences if you're promoting mainly to businesses, if you're looking to have professional services, you know, lawyers and, and real estate agents and things like that order from you, you might want to wear a suit in your profile photo and you might want to have a more professional headshot versus if you work in graphic design or something that's more on the creative side, you might have more leeway because you're going to attract a wider range of clients. I also, I think this setting of your profile um, is quite important as well. And I mean, I actually made some conscious uh, decisions behind my current profile at the moment because I mean, I work in with both businesses and design, but I I kind of try to pitch myself as a professional um, in the industry. And I mean, I've got photos of me in suits. I've got photos of me in shirts, et cetera. And I could pick between multiple different photos, but I specifically chose one from the Fiverr London event um, I attended where I spoke mainly for two reasons. One being that it kind of shows my connection with Fiverr in the way that I've been on the platform a while and I'm a, I'm a top seller on the platform. But the other one being is when it comes to things like my website reviews and customers are coming to me, yes, I'm offering them reports and I'm giving them help. But to see away from Fiverr that I'm you know speaking in a professional kind of um, function or engagement to people, that is probably going to accredit my service and myself more from that in the same way that if you were still offering custom drum loops and I saw you on your profile, um, you know, maybe at a, a concert or performing somewhere that ties in and goes, you know, this guy isn't just offering these services. He, he's living these services as well. Right. And that scene, that picture is seen more than when people just click on your profile, that scene with every message you send them. So, I mean, it's not something to take lightly. It's something to take serious and really put some thought into how you want to present yourself to people you're communicating with. Exactly. And I think there's also, we actually covered in a brand in episode previously, there's an argument to be made about whether you want to put yourself in the photo or you want to try and represent your brand. And for me, I always think putting yourself there is always going to be more beneficial to you. But if you think it's going to be more beneficial to add something like a, um, a logo or some kind of imagery, you've got to make sure that it's unique. You've got to make sure that it isn't just off Google images. Otherwise, one, it's not going to look good. And two, anyone else who's had the exact same idea, you're going to have the same profile photo as other people. So you're going to do the complete opposite of standing out. Right. And I mean, I think that adds that personal touch to, I mean, these people want to know they're communicating with a person, I think a lot of times and not just an agency with a stock photo as the profile picture. I mean, it's exactly. 
Yeah, adding that personalized element, it's it's almost the same thing as saying, look, I'm a, a turtle owner. You know, your, 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 your photo has personality to it. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned the level of professionalism. I used one of my photos on a different site um, as the speaking photo. And someone said, oh, I didn't know you do stand-up comedy. <laughs> and I was like, that's oh, interesting that this one would assume, you know, but, but it, it's, it's adding an element of intrigue to it. Like, oh, what are you doing? It's adding that personality. You know, so either way, even if they are, you know, maybe say, yeah, my speaking's so funny that maybe it is stand-up comedy as well. But you know, it, it adds something that's not just, like you said, a boring stock photo or something that somebody else can reuse and essentially take away any sort of branding element that you have with that. Mm, I think I think we're kind of getting into like dating profile kind of <laughs> territory now. There's there's the psychology of it though, and I mean, and I, and I think the more that you're aware of that, and the more you don't just blow through it and say, okay, I'm I'm doing music. Here's a music note. I mean, I, you know, I know you touched on this a little bit earlier too, but uh, if you're offering a, a variety of services, like you do logos, you do graphics, and you do website reviews, you only get one profile picture. So if someone's messaging you for a logo, you don't want some sort of website review heading as your photo. Definitely. Yeah. Cause you, you're just going to pigeonhole it and make, make the stuff look like it's kind of like a side element. So I think for me, the other stuff that you can then look to do to optimize your profile is to basically use the the rest of the space available or the rest of the tools available on there to try and accredit yourself further. So, I mean, we've got things like the ability to link your accounts um, via Fiverr to external accounts like LinkedIn, Dribbble, um, Facebook and Google Plus and things like this. Now, to my knowledge, I may be completely incorrect here, but to my knowledge at the moment, there's no real um, effect to doing that. So when I link with Facebook, I'm still logging in with my normal details. But to the buyer, it kind of accredits your identity further. And it also kind of shows that you've got an active online presence, which is always a nice thing when you're looking to buy online. You know, you want to buy from the store where if you know there's any issues or there's any problems, that person is a real person. They've got a presence and, you know, they're not just going to disappear or anything like this. Right. It adds that security element. And I think that's especially important for newer buyers that might not have the reviews built up yet to say, look, at, I'm a real person. Here's someone who's verified it. Mm. I mean, for me, it's, it adds a different element because seeing, I mean, some of the profiles or platforms actually tie into my gigs as well. So the fact that I offer coding and website reviews, seeing that you have options available like Dribble and Stack Overflow, you can kind of think, okay, you know, this guy is not only available across the web, but he's also in the right places for his industry. I mean, if I was a coder, but uh, I was never on Stack Overflow or I'd never heard of it or anything else along these lines, anyone in that niche or industry would kind of question, you know, how active I was. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. And I'll be curious to see if in the future Fiverr implements that across different categories. So, for example, if you're you're in music, you might link to your SoundCloud page or SoundCloud verified or something like that versus, you know, your categories linked to Stack Overflow or, you know, more niche categories for separate websites. That's actually a really, really good idea and an interesting point, because I know we aren't really allowed to share our external links on like Facebook, where at the moment you can connect right. to your Facebook account, but you don't link to it. It just accredits or verifies the fact that you are connected so right. something like that for SoundCloud or for the niche or the, of the gig would be actually, I think, really quite awesome. So there's other ways that we can accredit ourselves as well. And I think we've just kind of started to see this roll out, Ryan. Have we? 
<laughs> have, you, have you seen the new profile? I, I actually just saw the new profiles today. So with the ability to update and add the new things, like, the, I mean, I know you mentioned Stack Overflow and Dribble, um, but we're also given the chance to now put education and certifications in addition to the languages, which I think is great. Yeah, and again, it's we could put this stuff on our profile beforehand anyway. You know, you could say I've got a degree here or a degree there, but the way it's formatted and presented is what makes this so key. Right. Because it looks formatted and presented professionally inside Fiverr. So when you're putting your education there, then it's going to look more official if you like to buyers. But the thing that I really love as well is um, the education is mainly kind of university level. So if you haven't gone to university or if you're using Fiverr as kind of like a side job, the education may not always be that relevant. But I love the fact that we've also got the options for certification and skills as well. So there's kind of freedom there where if maybe the university or that kind of degree, if you have one or if you don't, isn't linked to what you're doing, you can still highlight the skills available and any certifications that you may have in that. Yeah, I mean, I think it adds an element of uniformity too, where buyers now know exactly where to look in the profiles to find these certain things versus they might have to read through a gig description or read through a gig bio. If everything's in the same spot with every seller, it makes it much more uniform and much more transparent with the experience each seller has. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it kind of gives, a, as you say, uniformity as well, which is interesting, where we see things like Facebook, um, where they added things like places and universities and degrees and all these other options, where they took the uniformity to another level, where they started to interlink profiles. So if a buyer is looking for a specific skill set, you know, we, we have no idea what's going on or where this is going to lead to. But if we look at Facebook as an example, if the buyer is looking for a specific skill set, they can maybe start to group actual sellers together by this skill set and if you're setting that information again you're probably going to be more likely to stand out if that's a way it were to go no it's very true so i think it's it's absolutely key when you're filling out um you know any online profile whether it's fiverr or, or your dating profile that you kind of you try to fill out all the information that is kind of all, all the areas that are given to you because they're given to you for a reason and no one likes an empty profile that's very true. And I think it requires thought in both analyzing competition and being creative. And I think the the other bit about analyzing competition as well is when you're being creative, try to be unique in a way as well. Because if you're analyzing competition and you're kind of carbon copying with a few different words, you may sound accredited if you know that competition is doing well, but you don't sound unique and you don't stand out. Well, let's actually transition that into creating that gig after you do your profile. I mean, we'll use a logo as an example. There are you know thousands, tens of thousands of graphic designers that sell on Fiverr. And essentially, a lot of them just offer logos, but a lot have had a lot of success just doing that. Um, you know, what are, what are some ways you think people can stand out when they're first creating that gig? So I think there's so many ways you can stand out, I think, with your gig. And I think... Probably the first two most important ones to mention, only because the gig title is the first thing that you set, is highlighting your unique selling point, your USP, and don't sound the same as everyone else. So you can highlight your unique selling point by using something like a capitalized word in your title. Fiverr allows you to set one capitalized word in your title. So if you say, I will create a unique logo design, if you capitalize something like logo, if that was your unique selling point, although that isn't really, or if you capitalize something else that was a part of that, 
that's going to stand out to users in listings because that capitalized word is obviously going to stand out more than just lowercase. But the thing that I always recommend, and it's a big kind of bugbear of mine, is avoiding oversaturated words. Now, if we met in person and I said, hey, Ryan, you know, I'm a professional logo designer, you'd think, oh, great, fantastic. But when you're on Fiverr and everyone is using the words like professional or unique or they're using pretty much the exact same adjective, it kind of it just merges. You don't really notice it. Now, you don't want to go too far out there where it just is crazy, but have a look at your competition and try to find words that are less commonly used, but they're still obviously relevant to you. So they kind of resonate or are remembered by the buyer. So if you're creating logos, you can maybe try to use something like the word brandable. I will create a brandable design or I'll create a brandable logo design. Now that relates to the service you're offering and not a lot of other buyer uh, sellers are using that word. Whereas if I look right now at the logo design category, I would probably say at least eight in 10 have the word professional in the title. Right. No, I mean, that, that's very true. And, and I know I use that approach with my explainer videos. I also pitched it as a sales video or an animated sales video. I mean, that was just something a lot of people weren't doing. So I figured I'd get extra searches for that as well as the normal explainer video search. Exactly. I mean, like I said, you don't want to go too out there where you might, I'm trying to think of a really out there example, but where you might say something, I will create a super duper fabulistic logo design. Right. I mean, the, the words like unique, <laughs> I will, I will create you a one, a unique professional custom, you know, logo. Okay. Let's, let's pump the brakes here. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of, you need to just basically research your category, see what words are being used, see what words are being appropriate and see what what words are being overused because um, I think the the biggest example of that is the word professional and a lot of gigs on Fiverr now as I say if you use that word away from Fiverr it makes complete sense but when you assess the marketplace it just merges and you, you kind of have to ask the question as well do you have to state it's professional you know I, I mean I, I was gonna say I might disagree with you that Away from Fiverr, I think it still sounds a little crazy to go meet someone and say, hey, I'm Adam. I'm a professional graphic design <laughs> worker. You know, it just seems we like... We obviously like, hang around with completely <laughs> different people. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I don't hang out with professionals. <laughs> well, you know, one big way I think that you can really position yourself, and this goes across so many different categories, is with a video. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the graphic categories or even audio categories get caught up in not doing this because a video is just one more way to show that you're a, a real person, B, that you're different than everybody else because you can think of a video in a way that they can't. And C, it's a way to show your services in a way that's engaging and will be more likely to hold the viewer's attention. Exactly. I mean, I when I review websites, I always kind of say this to people about creating promotional videos. And the way I picture to them is, uh, imagine you're watching television and an advertisement or a commercial comes on. Now, what's going to grab your attention? Reading text on the screen for 30 seconds or watching an actual video advertisement? And that's right. a complete no-brainer. Yeah, right. And I mean, and, and I think people, they don't think of it that way. And I mean, I mean it's, it's not necessarily their fault, but... When you think about it, I mean, using TV is a great example just because that's something with, you know, 
years and years and years and years of, of marketing research behind it. I mean, there is a reason why there's the narration going on. There's the music going on. There's the movement going on. It's because it's more engaging. You know, I mean, even if you take the same 75 words for 30 seconds, you know, a, a commercial, just to put those words on the screen is going to be much less effective than even if they were narrated. Exactly. Although I do think there is another side to that where you need to make sure that you keep it concise and you keep it engaging. And uh, I think a really great kind of study of this is a video released by College Humor about a year ago. And you may or may not have seen it. And the video was basically, I dare you to watch this entire video. And I mean, it's available on YouTube now. So go to YouTube and watch, I dare you to watch this entire video. And it's basically a three minute long video where the guy in it basically does nothing. And it is extremely difficult to watch that. And you kind of realize how little your attention span is. So when you're creating a promotional video and think I need to add this or add this or put this in and put this in as well, just think, are the audience who are watching it, are they going to you know, try and make it all the way to the end? Or would you be you know, a lot better to kind of summarize your gig, keep it around the 30 second mark and have enough of a hook that if they want further information, it's available in your images and your gig description. Well, I think 30 seconds should be more than enough. And if you feel like it's not enough, you might want to reevaluate what you've said in those 30 seconds. I mean, you have up you have up to a minute, but 30 seconds should be enough to give some sort of hook and some sort of creativity to present to the buyer. Yeah, I mean, I actually I fell foul of that. I mean, I'm giving the advice now, and uh, but I actually fell foul of this myself. I um I recreated my video maybe about a year ago before I did it again recently, and it went to about a minute thirty. And it's because I wanted to try and mention so much. I wanted to mention the upsell, the accreditation, kind of all these different services that I was offering, and I, I kind of started to look back and think. Uh, 90 seconds is quite long to try and hold someone's attention span for. And I re-recorded, swapped it out. It's less than a minute now. I think it's about 50 seconds. But I've had such a different reaction to it where buyers, I've actually received less questions because buyers are watching the whole video as opposed to watching it, think they've got the gist and like deciding what to do next. Right. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I've, I've, I think every seller who's been on the platform for a while has had that experience where they do something. I mean, let's face it, when you do it, you think it's great. It's like, wow, this is all the information. This covers everything. But buyers aren't necessarily looking for that. They're not looking for all of the information. They want something that's going to hook them quickly. So, I mean, because they, they can go, you want them to go read down the copy on the page to get an understanding of other things. So that video you want to approach it as something that you know they're going to watch the whole way through rather than trying to cram all of your information into it. Well, exactly. I mean, if people are looking at advertisements or commercials on TV where you usually have the guy who speaks really quickly at the end, kind of giving all the terms of service, that's because you legally have to do so to advertise on TV, not because the company's trying to give you all of the information available to you. Right. So, I mean, one thing that I um, I decided to do with my video as well is because I tried to make it unique and being in logo design, it had to kind of highlight the logos. You know, it wasn't like another video I have with me on it. So I studied around my category and I kind of studied the perception of Fiverr and logo design um, as well, where we talked about on the previous show. And I basically looked at it and I saw that a lot of people were saying, you know, are these designs unique? Are they just, you know, clip art or, you know, loads of questions along this way. And I kind of wanted to, to prove that not only here's my portfolio, but demonstrate my work as well. So what I actually did for my logo design video was overall, it's 
a video portfolio of all of my logos. But inside the bottom corner, as a picture in picture, I actually recorded myself creating a logo and I, I put it picture in picture. So as I'm talking, you can see me actually perform the work as well. And I did that because of what I saw the kind of trends or the questions were around my niche. And that has gained quite a lot of kind of positivity for me in that regards, because people kind of they can see me performing the work as well as me demonstrating it. Right. I mean, I think the more that you can not only show you have quality, but also take away any fears the buyer might have. And I think that's going to be different depending on the gig. You know, some of them might be they're afraid they won't get their delivery on time. They're afraid they're just going to get some stock clip art logo. You know, if you can show them, look at I do the exact opposite of what you're afraid you're going to receive. That's just one more great way to add that bonus in. And like you said, it doesn't even necessarily take more time to show that in the video because you showed that uh, with a picture in picture. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's so many other examples as well. Like if you were offering professional voiceovers and, you know, you were sat on your bed with a laptop um, webcam looking at up at you telling people, I do voiceovers compared to if you said the exact same thing sat next to your microphone. Yeah, no, I mean, that's very true. And I, th I think a lot hit on that in the voiceover industry. I mean, they'll film themselves within their sound treated room with the microphone brand facing the camera. So if you wanted to go Google it, you'd see, you know, it's a $2,000 microphone. I mean, that that's, it's just, it's almost like strategic product placement uh, in your video. That's not like something saying, look at, here's my sound treated room, but you know, you're showing it visually. Yeah, I mean, I've also seen other examples as well where buy, um, sellers will record a video with their computer behind. Now, this is an easy one anyone can do, but record their um, video with their computer behind them. And some of them will have Fiverr open with their kind of like managed sales tab. Now, not close enough that you see all details, but close enough that you can see the seller is getting orders and they're busy. And that's peer-to-peer -peer marketing where you're essentially telling the buyer, hey, other people have ordered. Why don't you as well? Right. No, that's that's true. There's a lot of different ways. And it's all that thinking outside the box mentality. And I think you hit the nail on the head saying, go look at your competition and see what they're doing and see what you can do in a unique way to stand out. So talking about standing out as well, and this is probably one of the I think one of the things people fall the most foul of in regards to standing out. And it's their gig images. I think a lot of people have the tendency because they want to set up a gig quickly might just run over to Google, or I say run, <laughs> click over to Google and just search for related images and upload those. Yeah, and I mean, uh, in, on top of the uh, probably copyright infringement, <laughs> you're, you're probably going to be using something that is not unique. And the one thing that always got me is you have this marketplace of Fiverr with you know, millions of, is there millions of gigs yet? I'm pretty sure there's millions of gigs now where you can yeah. go, to, you can go to a seller and get a unique image created, you know, for, you know, next to nothing, even no matter, you no matter what your budget is, you could probably find something for $5 that will be, you know, unique to you and eye catching as well. Exactly. I mean, if you're going to Google and let's say you do uh, web design and you type in web design image and it comes up on the first page of Google images at the top, that means it probably comes up on the first page on the top of images for other people as well. Exactly. So thinking that image is going to be great for me. Anyone else who's replicating what you're doing is seeing the exact same image and choosing that image as well. So you may think, I don't want to have a budget to make, have someone create my image. But if that one image is the difference between you getting a sale and you not getting a sale, then it's one of those costs of businesses that is more than worth doing because without it, 
you're not going to stand out and you may limit your order potential. That's very true. I know I know with a couple of my gig images, I just took a photo of myself holding ukulele or holding a guitar and sent it off to a graphic graphic designer and said, hey, what can you do with this? And got results I was really happy with. Yeah, it's just there's so many little things that you can do. I mean, for one of the things that I do on my images where maybe the gig isn't as visual like my website reports is I try to kind of like write hooks or key points of the the service and just style them in a nice image, almost like a brochure. So it's not me sat directed there. It's not a photo of me. It's not a photo of a report, um, but it's, it's like a brochure of the service I'm offering. So it's kind of like a step down from the video, the video that's going to be the most captivating. You've got the text or the description that's going to, you know, explain all the spiel and hash it all out. But then in between, you've got the second visual element of the images. So if you aren't sure what image to upload or you don't think your gig is very visual, think about turning it kind of into a brochure or highlight those parts of your service as a visual aspect, as opposed to not uploading an image at all or just looking for a random image of somewhere like Google. And I wouldn't even say it's a step down. I would just say it's the next step for that buyer. You know, after they watch that video, they're going to keep going down the page where they'll see the images and they'll read the descriptions. And it's just one more element of your overall package that you can position yourself in a, in a unique way. That's true. I think uh, another thing to say about images as well is now at the beginning, if you have a visual service, like something like logo design, it's absolutely key that you fill up your image spaces with your portfolio and your example imagery. Um, but what you may consider doing in the future is if you've got live portfolio and you've got hundreds of images inside there, maybe think about swapping around or changing up your actual gig images so they aren't all just examples because you've got so many other examples already on your gig. Maybe think about using that image for a different element or a different aspect of pitching your service. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Because otherwise, I mean, buyers don't really notice the transition of when it goes between your gig images and the portfolio image. They're just clicking right and they, you know, they see it. <laughs> Whereas right. you you can't change your portfolio images. You can't really say, I want to add this, but you can change your gig images. So if you find yourself with a very full portfolio, repurpose or upcycle those gig images with new content for a different purpose like upsells. Yes. And it's, it's always about always thinking, constantly think about ways you can do that and ways you can be creative. You know, I think so many people, and, and I'm guilty of it too, with a couple of gigs is, is you let it sit, oh, I, I'm you, you let it sit for, <laughs> it sits for too long and, you know, it, but, but constantly being on top of that. And, and I mean, it, it's a great way to, especially for a new seller, because you have to do something that's different until you have the reviews to back you up. Exactly. And you, you sometimes see new sellers as well. They'll, they won't just use their gig images to highlight the service, but they'll, they'll kind of brand those images as well. So they're not just saying something like, here's the logo, but they're like, here's the logo. And then they've got like, you know, created by them or some kind of imagery around that as a kind of mock-up. So something like an audio, if you were, had a photo of your studio, making it even more unique to them by you know, adding some kind of branding or some colors that they want related to their business or just something to not just necessarily either have it as a static image, but utilize that image to be a call to action element as well. I mean, I think that's a great point. You know, I think for new sellers, doing anything you can to position yourself ahead, um, you know, and, and all these things we talked about, but are there any other ways you can think of that a new seller can do like delivery times or anything like that that will bring in more sales? 
So I think um, the, the, the other area I would look at is to kind of look at the, the conversion funnel, which is the direction a buyer takes to come to your gig or to come look at your service. Now, Fiverr have changed you know, their whole search so much over like the last 18 months. We've gone from having kind of like a standard search to there being uh, meta info, all these filters down the side and everything else. So have a look at your category and just have a look at what's there. So as an example, I'm going to look at a category now. I'm looking inside the business category, the overall business category. And I can see in the sidebar, there's delivery time options of up to 24 hours, up to three days, up to seven days, and any. That tells me instantly as a new buyer, I should not be doing anything over seven days because it's going to fall into the overall filter of any. And if a buyer just changes one of those values, I'll be dropped out of that search. It also tells me that if a buyer is seeing that 24 hours is available, I might go for that. Maybe I should put my main gig as 24 hours to ramp up the sales to start off or put an extra fast as 24 hours so it's still getting picked up. You look at other areas as well and you can see things like show your online status. Now, this for me is an absolute key area. And it's basically the fact of if you set up on Fiverr and you haven't sold anything yet, you still need to log in. You still need to be that storefront to show you're active and online. Compare it to a literal storefront in person. If you walk into a DIY store and the guy serves you and you leave and there's no one else in the shop, he doesn't leave with you. He doesn't say, okay, no other customers, close up for the day, I'll be back when they turn up. Usually you have to be the one to be there and then they'll turn up. Unless you're Apple and then people queue outside. Yeah, that's a really, really, really funny way to think about it. And, and I've never thought of it that way, but I think that's a great point. Especially as it's a filter in the sidebar as well. If people are, well, a, a good way to basically look at it is you may look at your category and say, I have no idea how many gigs are showing on this page right now. There might be a thousand, there might be a million. We There's so many, we just don't know. Whereas a buyer can instantly put that in half by choosing a different delivery time. They can even put it down further. And what you may find is when you've selected certain options, such as I want it within three days and the seller needs to be online now, you could take a data sample of 10,000 down to 100. And if you as the seller have positioned yourself in that 100, instantly you're no longer trying to fight with 10,000 people. You're in a, a much smaller data sample and all that effort you've put in to stand out is now going to be absolutely killing it because you're not trying to stand out out of uh, 10,000 people. You're just trying to be seen out of a hundred people and that's it. Right. It's interesting. They give you, they give you that blueprint. They give you that funnel and all you have to do is reverse engineer it to figure out what people are looking for. Exactly. So have a look at your category, see what kind of filters are available. Also look at different things um, as well, such as when I look at the main business category, you have the subcategory links underneath the main banner. Now the main banner is a big call to action element part of that page. So for anyone who's just browsing, the first thing I see in the business category is the virtual assistant link. Now, if I'm offering um, a kind of assistant service and I'm offering to do market research or I'm offering to be a general virtual assistant, this category defines that I should go try and pitch myself more towards the virtual assistant as opposed to just doing the set market research because the virtual assistant is the closer link on the top of the page. So for anyone who's just randomly browsing, pitching myself there is going to be much more likely than saying I'm a virtual assistant who does market research. That's very true. 
So it all comes down to your category at the end of the day, but study your category pages, have a look at the filters available, see the subcategories and how they're positioned and just work yourself into that. And also have a look at other people's thumbnails as well, because you can instantly see from a category which thumbnails are grabbing your attention and which thumbnails aren't. So take a data sample of all the thumbnails that took your attention, copy them all or save them all, have a look at them all together and think, right, what was it about these images that struck me? And kind of take a little bit from each and create your perfect image. All new sellers who are listening, rewind that and listen to that portion again, because that is, some, I think, the best advice that's been on Fivercast since Fivercast started. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I that, also that, said it very quickly. <laughs> it covers it literally covers everything in terms of positioning yourself and standing out. And, and, and it's, I think, a way that not a lot of people think about. Exactly. It's just putting yourself in the, the mind of a buyer and you, you can't really go wrong unless you look at your gig and think, you know, it's, it's like when you see the, 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 the sketch in movies when someone goes, who's that guy over there? And they're like, it's a mirror. You know, if you're looking at your gig and you stumble across it and think, what is that gig? I don't really like it. So, Ryan, in terms of trying to pitch yourself to buyers as well, are there any other kind of methods or, or procedures that you would take to try and help your gig stand out more? Well, I think one way is to position certain gigs that you have in the categories like you just talked about, but then also creating complementary gigs that are in other categories that might be similar. And I know I do this on one of my gigs. So, for example, in the jingle and audio section, I have two different gigs. I have one for the animated jingle and I have one for the ukulele. But I also have a song and jingle gig in the branding services of the business section that's specifically creating a song for your business to use as part of their brand. So it's just one more spot that I can be found that is similar. And I'm sure you have the same thing with logos. But if, if you think about gigs, don't just have to fall into one category. And if you can think creatively and say, what section does this fall into and can also work in, you're going to be able to bring in more orders because you're going to have exposure from multiple different categories. Yeah, I, th I think that makes a lot of sense because we can just look on the face of it and look at different categories and the, you know, the feedback amount for the sellers inside it. And business is a quieter category than the jingle category. So you're more likely to get the attention there and a buyer may come through business, see this gig and think, oh, you know, what else does this seller offer? And then instantly you've led them to your gig that's in a much busier category, but rather than trying to filter it throughout the category, they found it directly from your profile. Right. And all that stuff we've talked about, about improving your profile, then comes into play and you just knock it out of the park, basically. And you also have the element of if someone's browsing in the business category, they might have a different budget than someone who's browsing for a happy birthday song in the jingle category. You know, so See, that's, that's really true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think just having the multiple options and I mean, I'm not opposed to doing either, but when you, when you position yourself, you're positioning yourself in front of different markets. If you, the fun and bizarre might be looking to spend less than the business who might, you know, it, it just all depends on the category you're in. And it comes again to reverse engineering where your potential buyer is going to be looking for you and where you can offer value. Mm, so I, I do a, a similar thing as well with my um, Twitter design gig. We're inside my Twitter design gig. I kind of give a heads up to the logo design gig because people can, uh, sometimes order from me and, you know, kind of be like an individual and not a company. And I'll, I can kind of say, if you're looking for a logo or a new logo, I've also got this service. 
So where they've come through on my Twitter service and they've they found me, they've ordered, I can then sell them the logo service as well, as opposed to them having to find both services individually, both being offered by me. Because the chances are, if they order my Twitter gig, then go look for a logo, they probably won't find my logo gig as well. They'll see so many other sellers available that they'll probably make a choice before they come across me. And I, and I think this is really coming full circle, you know, with this, you're linking your gigs together and ultimately you're linking this back to your profile. So it, it's really, you're, you're sort of creating this all-inclusive brand of yourself to present to people that you're then filtering people through that are seeing all different aspects of what you offer and who you are. Exactly. I think that's a, a fantastic way to summarize it. So we want to hear from you, our listeners, and to basically let us know what was the best thing that you did when you set up your gig and what would be the biggest thing you would change now looking back. So comment in the section below on the Fiber Forum and let us know, and maybe we'll highlight some of the best ones on a future show. And that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. Our jingle was made by me, Custom Drum Loops. And as always, we are edited by the fantastic Dancha. Fibercast, Fibercast.